This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ray Harkins, and thank you for joining us on our weekly discussion with people in and around independent music that have been influenced greatly by this beautiful scene that we all hold so dear of the independent music worlds of punk, hardcore, indie rock, whatever you'd like to call it. That's what it is we live in. So, uh, yeah, I'm your host, Ray Harkins. I think I said that already, but just to remind you. <laughs> Anyways, the guest this week is, uh, is an old friend. And someone who I had put on my, my list, I mentioned to you last week, of, of the list that I have, the running list of people I want to speak to, and he's been on it for quite some time. His name is Bo Thompson. Uh, he used to sing for a band called Donnybrook, but now he runs a very, very cool clothing company. I, I, don't, I don't know how to really describe it, but it's called uh, Das Bootleg. And for those of you who are not familiar with it, just, just Google Das Bootleg, D-A-S, Bootleg. And uh, they have amazing film, music, pop culture-inspired shirts that basically are very cool conversation starters. Like, I I recently just wore a shirt that uh, Bo made from the movie The Sandlot. And I think I had, like, six conversations with different people about that particular movie that day. And um, it's just, it's a really, really cool company. And uh, the things that he has done with it have, uh, it's just great. I just love when friends are successful at uh, bringing something new and creative to the field of the creative arts. So anyways, let's do some business, then we'll talk to Bo. And I promise you're going to want to listen to the outro of the show because I am going to give you a coupon code for Bo's company, Das Bootleg. He'll give you a nice little discount. So listen to the very end. Or if you're smart, you can fast forward to the very end. But I, I don't want you to do that. You will miss out all the enjoyment of all that stuff. So anyways, I was recently able to uh, go to a show, the John Bunch Memorial Show that just happened this past weekend. And John Bunch, uh, as those of you who uh, are familiar with the show, I interviewed quite some time ago and he passed away. It was a very uh, tragic turn of events, uh, as it were, because he's, uh, he was young, like mid-40s, I want to say, and uh, the show is incredible. I mean, you had everybody from Texas is the Reason, Knapsack, a bunch of old hardcore bands playing. It, it, it just, it was a very, very special night because everybody was there for the right reasons, enjoying all of the nostalgia-filled trips down memory lane, and it was just such a positive event. I loved it so much, and thank you to all the people who were involved in putting that together and thank you to the nice people who came up to me and were like hey i really enjoyed your show i enjoy your podcast it's like thank you it's weird to be recognized out in the wild as my voice and like knowing i mean granted it's pretty easy to find out what it is that i look like but still i just always uh, i always find that very flattering so thank you to those people who did that and also thank you to those of you who've been sending in emails to 100 words podcast at gmail.com because I love hearing feedback from you on like guests you want to have or guests you want me to have because technically you wouldn't be having them unless you have a podcast of your own. But um, yes, I, I recently got a nice email from a listener in South Africa. So thank you very much for that. It's awesome to see how far this thing can uh, spread across the world 
because you know I, I just I view the I've, it's me talking into a microphone in front of my computer here, so it's isolating. Podcasting is fun, and I really, really enjoy it, but it's isolating in many respects. So the fact that I have, I put this podcast up, and then, you know, 20, 30,000 of you people download it, and now uh, I, sometimes I just don't get feedback. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, hey, guys, is anybody out there? So when you send emails, tweets, whatever method you decide to correspond with me on, I love that, and I appreciate that. So, yeah, let's get, let's, sh- oh, no, 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 hold on. I was about to say let's shift a bow, but let me please plug something else. The Amazon affiliate code. And when I say that, that means I've, I've beat it into your heads by this point, but I promise you it will take you two seconds and it'll be the easiest thing that you do that will support the show. So basically what you do, click on the show notes. So like when you, whatever device you are listening to this thing on, you can click the show notes. It's a nice little description of the show and the interview subject. And then there'll be a link. It says support us with the Amazon affiliate code. So basically you click on that link, you sign into Amazon. And then from that point, you do all of your shopping. Your prices are the same. Nothing changes. And I, the show, gets a kickback from that. And I appreciate that because you know, it's like basically it's like four bucks off of or not. No, four bucks off a hundred. So four percent of your total sale. Here I am doing math out loud. So when you do that, it really, really supports the show. And I appreciate for those of you that have done it already. But if you haven't, get on it. Don't don't fuck up. Just do it, okay? Um, so, Bo, like I said, known him for a long time. Uh, this was the first time we really kind of had a nice sit-down conversation, which was really good because uh, he has led an interesting life. And ultimately, I think the, 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 I wouldn't even call them setbacks, but the roadblocks that have been put in front of him in order to kind of achieve what it is that he wants to do creatively uh, in his life, be able to provide for his family. All those things are just, you can hear the passion in his voice. And I love that. So here is my discussion with Bo. And like I said, listen to the very end of the show because I will give you a promo code for all of his cool stuff. And when you do that, not only does it support him, it supports the show because then he'll look and be like, oh dude, I got like 20 orders from this podcast. Like that was a great use of my time and that was fun. So, and plus you get a really, really cool piece of merchandise out of it too. So anyways, here's my discussion with Bo. I will talk to you after we're done, I guess. Yeah. Usually I start these things off with my entry point to kind of you. Yep. And you're, you're 100% one of those people where it's, you've existed in my life for so long. No fucking clue where we met. Like, for the first time, to be like, hey, Ray, this is, you know, Bo, and Bo the Ray. Yeah, yeah. No idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I have, I'll tell a story. <laughs> I remember, I have, I have, I have in my head the first two times that I remember meeting you. Okay. Oh, well, th- well, please, tell, tell me, put it out there. Uh, the first was, um, I'm, I'm almost positive I met you at this show because you came up and said hi to me. Okay. Just, like... Oh, in, hi, hi, hey. hi, how are you? Right. And I'm just like, a hardcore show? Are we supposed to be dicks? <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like 16, probably like 96. It okay. It was, if you weren't at this show, okay. then I'm then my memory's off. Zayo Creationist Crucifix, no, 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 no. Zayo Original Lineup at Coos. Okay. Um, <laughs> Don't remember who else was playing. I don't think I ever saw Zayo at Coos. I definitely, okay. yeah, because I started... Okay. I started going to shows 
like more regularly like the coups era in like 97 98 yeah because yeah, i'm 35 and so it was yeah, like so right around that time because I, I started like showcase was my first entry point to shows and stuff okay, like that okay. um but yeah but anyways but I, but my other my first real memory sure. of you that i know it was you was this is oh this just makes me seem like my friends are such dicks. Right, right. I was gonna tell the story on the thing, but I didn't know if you'd be into it. Oh, I, dude, I. We're walking. You might remember this. We're okay. walking at the block. Me and my friends, the Donnie, Bro- the the Doom crew. Okay. Thirty deep at the block. We're every rolling. time We went. Okay. We're walking down one of the aisleways or uh-huh. whatever, and you're walking the other way with maybe two other people, three other people. Okay. And you had recognized Martine and Dre. Oh, sure. Because they had, this was like Hurricane Rana time. Oh, totally. Taken so 100% played with Hurricane Rana. Right. Walking past each other, and you go, hey, guys. And Dre goes, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, my oh, God. Because like, I knew who you were. I'd seen Taken. And sure, I was like, sure. You're like, you guys are such dicks. Like, <laughs> and I'm sitting there laughing my of ass course, off. Of course, of course. So well, that was my, that's my first actual, like, because I thought that was you at the Coup Show, but I guess it was Sure, wasn't. sure. No, that that is hilarious, because that definitely, it's funny, because that speaks to a time, like, like, you mentioning that now, I'm like, oh, I actually, I vaguely remember that. Mm. But I, I also remember, um, just because it was, like, where, uh, I had never, like, because I went to school at not all the same schools that all the other Orange County hardcore kids same went here. to. Yeah. So it was like, I, there was never, um, I always felt like I was on the outside looking in. And yeah. so like that sort those sort of interactions, I was just like, Oh, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> so that's, all right. That's, that's one more thing. Like, all right. It looks like I'm not like, not like I was ever going to be indoctrinated into that crew. Cause mm. clearly I wasn't, I, I would, could never put on a persona of being not, tough. Not your dude, not your dude. <laughs> yeah. But, but, uh, but yeah, so that's just, that's a very funny memory. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I, so that's my first. And then I think we formally met at like six, one, three. Totally. Yeah. 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 Then it, then it was like, cause I, I do remember having the, the impression of you, um, and not like like we were talking about off mic where your reputation was preceding you, I just knew, I was like, oh, Bo, like, Bo's been active within the context of, of the hardcore scene. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's done, he's, he's played Donnybrook and he's done all these other things. Um, but I never, I, I always tried to meet people with that, you know, that fresh perspective where it's just yeah. like, okay. I've this, never met you before. Totally. Yeah. And like, even though I know nothing about you. Right. Even though, because it's so easy, it's so easy to be like, I'll fuck that person because they're in that band. They said that thing to that friend or whatever. So easy to just write that off. I heard this story this one time about he fucked this girl and then he fucked it. Yeah. Absolutely. Our world is so high school, you know, at at a younger age, in the 20s. Exactly. I feel like it grows up a little more as, you know, as people grow up, but. Sure. You hopefully hopefully get perspective. Like, I mean, like I said, that there was. I, I met people that just expected me to be something completely different than what, like, dude, there was, I remember in the beginning of Donnybrook, somebody was like, you're like the West Coast white trash Rob. And I was like, that's like the worst thing I've ever heard. That Whoa. dude's like a legit, like, heroin addict. <laughs> right. I just drink beers. Like, right. I just, <laughs> I, I like just party like, occasionally. I just, I, yeah, I just like to party and I have some crazy friends. That's it. Like, right. I'm not a dick. I'm not crazy. Wow, that's amazing. Like, I did not know. Your that that the re, your reputation got, it got to th- so dumb, dude. And it, I mean, it's 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 easy to say now that it was dumb. At the time, I might have been like, you know, as you're 20 years old, I'd never been. See, I didn't. I was kind of like what you said, where I didn't go to high school at Fountain Valley, where there's fucking 20 other hardcore kids. Right. I went to high school 
with the, all the guys from Donnybrook, we were all neighborhood friends. Okay. They all went to high, we all went to junior high together. Okay. But then in high school, I went to Whittier Christian. I went to a private school. I did not, I, won, I went to Orange Lutheran and I, I played your school. I know you did. Wow. I, I was a quarterback at Whittier Christian for two years. Oh, shit. We got the shit kicked out of us by your high school. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, amazing. Yeah. Um, I went, I went to Whittier Christian and it, the really funny thing about, about my school is, when I tell people, yeah, I went to Whittier Christian, and they just kind of, you know, in, in our world, yeah. they look at you weird. Like, yeah, they're like, what, private school? Like, what are you, rich? Like, no, it wasn't rich. My dad owned his own business, and they could afford it. And right. This was Cal a priority High, to Cal them. Cal High fucking sucked. Right. Like, and I was, at that time, trying to, you know, do something more than just be the, you know, dickhead at Cal High, the parties and... Right. It... it, it I was I I wanted to play college hockey like that was my thing and I wanted I knew if I went to a better school I'd have a better chance of getting into the good school mm-hmm. and um, so I chose to go to Whittier Christian and yeah. now in our world it's like you know you kind of like oh Whittier Christian huh but right. so and I tell him like well would you say that to the drummer of Social Distortion mm-hmm. Dave Hidalgo who I went to high school with <laughs> Matt Cawthron the singer of the Bronx. Sure. High school buddies. Right. Like, nobody, you know, those dudes don't, those, they don't like Those, those don't get those glances. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, and also the dude who, I just found this out last week, the creator of Deadpool went to Whittier Christian High School. Really? Yeah. Which is like, wow. The, my, uh, my old baseball coach, who's also the art teacher is like, yeah, we don't advertise that. Like, <laughs> totally. We, I, I wish we could, but uh, yeah, we keep that. I doubt pr- he's going like, yeah, I went to Whittier Christian High School. <laughs> totally. You know? This this was the foundational aspect for all of my creative input in the future. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. But the, I find it interesting. I'm glad that you mentioned that you went to Whittier Christian because I, I I did find it, um, even though like because I mean Whittier Christian I think was relatively the same size as like Orange Lutheran as far 500 as ca- 500 yeah. 550 students yeah, yeah like I think 100 that, 100 to 110 graduating class every year okay yeah yeah I think that, like that yeah my, Orange Lutheran might have been a little bit larger but I did really I, I loved the experience of going to that school oh, based yeah. based on the fact that it was like you felt like you could obviously socialize with everybody <laughs> dude I went I went to public school my whole life uh, I'm from South Whittier, I went to school where it's funny. I talk uh, <laughs> in our on positive abuse. On yes. the, the thing I did with Joey, we talk about. They were like, "Yeah, did you ever play the popcorn game in uh, in school?" I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about, popcorn <laughs> game?" They're like, "Yeah, you know, we're like, you know, the class all reads out loud, and one person reads a paragraph and then says popcorn, Brandon, and then that person picks up and read." I was like, "Dude, we we didn't do that in elementary school, my school, because I mean." This might sound bad, but sure. there were kids trying to learn English. Right. Like, this was a very, very mixed school. Like, I went sure. to school with, I grew up with Mexican kids. That's, right. You know, English is second language. ESL. Yep. So, I went from being in classes like that, where I felt like the smartest kid in the class, to going to Whittier Christian and feeling like the dumbest kid at school. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Because these, the private education growing up is like gnarly, what mm-hmm. those kids are you know, expected what's expected of them. Sure. For me, it was like you know, school was easy. You know, and then you get to high school and, and you're like, it whoa! Was, yeah, it was a total, just almost culture shock, but three miles further down the road. You yeah. know what I mean? It was still Whittier. It was still like, um, you know, there was still a, a diverse student a, body. A diverse I'm sure. student body, yeah. Um, but it was not like I mean, dude, my I mean, 
I remember my eighth grade, the last semester, my buddy, this this big Mexican kid, socked our teacher in the face in class. It was just like, fuck you. Boom. And then you go to Whittier Christian, and everybody's so nice. And every, it, I loved it. It was right. awesome. It was a breath of fresh air. That's amazing. Everybody's nice. They didn't have to worry about getting jumped on the way home. Right. You know, it was just, it was a, it was a, it was a good experience, good education. I'm glad I did it. I didn't end up doing anything, you know, college-wise, but that was, I'm, I'm glad I went that way. Right, yeah, because um, I, I do think that there is something that's so, because I'm sure you've had a lot of friends since that have bounced into the public education system and are, like, similar to you, maybe have similar life experiences or, like, you know, were into independent music, but then they, like, hated high school. Yeah, they had, like, a terrible 100%. Ex- and I'm like, I didn't hate high school. My yeah. high school experience was rad. I played right. sports. My friends were nice. You know, I yeah. actually, like, got along with some teachers to the point where there's a few teachers there that I still keep in touch with. That's amazing. You know, because yeah. they were good people. Of course. They, they were doing... any and all of, you know, affiliation belief-wise. And the bottom line is I looked at these people as good people that gave a shit about me. You know what I mean? And yeah. I didn't feel that too often in public school. Not to the fault of the teachers, because they, li- they were they were fucking wardens. You right. Know? They, they was, it was... It was babysitting. It was, it was it was babysitting and and you were a prison warden. You know these kids right. were nuts. Right. But you know it was um, it, the funny thing about what ended up turning into the love of our world mm-hmm. is there was a the few the punk kids at Whittier Christian were like the ultimate misfits. Right. You know what I mean? And I'm sure you had the same thing. The kids that were into the outside stuff Mm -hmm. at those small public schools, they're, you know, they're not ostracized because it's not like that. It's, but it's more like tight knit stuck together. There was bands. Um, my buddy Dion, who literally handed me Gorilla Biscuit Start today, uh-huh. and he was in a couple bands, Donor, PFI. Okay. Um, just, you know, the back when Christian hardcore was acceptable. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, and that was the thing. Like, I went, some of my first hardcore shows, not punk shows, but my first hardcore shows were Christian hardcore shows. Right. And they were good. Yeah, well, people, absolutely. Kids now don't. They don't get the same. What was cool is there was more of a tolerance and acceptance for everybody, mm-hmm. not just um, there. There was no common theme right. back then. It sure. was. I remember, dude, no innocent victim. The the showcase a call for blood show. Okay, everybody yes. forgets. You know, Hatebreed comes out and plays under a fake name. Yep. Who headlined that show? It was no innocent victims record release show. Of course, the Christian band right. playing with Hatebreed. Yeah, no problem. Zayo. Toured with 18 Visions. Yeah. You know, it was, there, there was, everybody kind of like got along to get along because we were all in the same boat, regardless mm-hmm. of who we were. And that's why I, I always dug it. Um, and that's well, I think it does, it, you, you bring an important point that I think it does, it, it when you are offered more, uh, more inputs as far as different people, different beliefs, whatever, I think you're more apt to give people a benefit of the doubt to be like, yeah, I'll listen to like what you have to say. Like yeah. I'll listen to whatever it is, like whether it's your band, whether it's use a human being, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and then totally. you're able to be like, oh, okay, now I see where like, okay, I don't agree with you or like maybe you won't be my friend, but like I still understand where you're coming from. Yeah. But I think there's, it's the, the pendulum swings more often in the independent music direction of people just not will not interested in listening to others. Yeah. Just be yeah. like, oh, that band sounds like that, or that band has that sort of fan. Like, I'm not going to pay attention to that. It's just like, well, why? Like, you don't need to throw that 
You know, it's funny. I think that that is somewhat of a, uh, I think that's, in my mind, that's a direct result of something that doesn't happen anymore, and it happened all the time when we were younger going to shows. It was McPhil shows. Absolutely. Think about that when Descendants came back and they played those first couple shows. Their, their San Bernardino Arena or Orange Pavilion, whichever one it was. Yep. Did the lineup was less than Jake, Strife, Handsome. Right. Gutter, gutter Mouth. mouth right. And Descendants. <laughs> totally. Like, wh- there's no more of a m- possible mixed bill than those bands. Not at all. But everybody... It was the thing, like, if you were into Earth Crisis, you probably also were into Less Than Jake or... Uh, just it was shows everybody just went to shows right and they weren't it wasn't specifically like this is a vegan hardcore straight edge show right it was like it's a fucking show totally you know and bands could play with other bands straight faced always played with with uh earth crisis mm-hmm. we were seeing a couple times right. i hated straight face right. but they were definitely not a hardcore punk straight edge band of or course hardcore straight edge band right um but I, I, so I think that that nowadays, I think kids miss that a little bit. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That it's so segregated. It's so isolated into sex, mm-hmm. into like, you know, specific demographics that are being targeted. Like mm-hmm. you're into this, you will like this. Totally. You know? Yeah. I mean, and that's what it's like that. I think that's why tours like Warp Tour can obviously still be successful because they do offer this sort of like really generational mixtape each year. That's what Kevin Lyman attempts to do. And whether or not he's successful at it, it, you know, can only, you can only reflect on that. Like a few years after the fact, be like, Oh, that didn't work. And it's just like, yeah, but what other tour has produced like, you know, Eminem, Katy Perry, black Eyed Peas. You're just like, how does that happen? It's like, well, because he's trying to put on stuff that it's like, well here, like maybe some kids will listen to this. Yeah. And it's like, it does. If that is your first show experience, like while many people would be like, oh, I, I can't believe that would be like their first concert experience. It's just like, well, like when you're 14 years old and you can see all these bands for, you know, $40. Dude. It's like. It, I still I still hold those early years of Warp Tour in high regard. I mean, I remember the one that was in the, the parking lot of the pond, um, maybe 98. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I know uh, what you're talking about. Head, Weezer headline. Right. Green, Weezer and Green Day. Yep. And then that was my introduction. First time I saw Hot Water Music, sure, they played on a small stage, right? And it was like I had heard this band. I you know I know that they're in you know in our world, our right? World. And uh, and I would have never ever gotten into them if I hadn't seen that. Right. If I hadn't seen them there, totally. And to think about the other bands that played um, at all of them. I mean, God, remember that year in '97? It was like. Body Count, oh, yeah. Suicidal, Dropkick Murphys, Blink-182. Yep, you totally. Know. I, think that was the, I think that was the year that Eminem was on it, too. Yeah. And Black Eyed Peas, yeah. Yep. I remember, yep. yeah, it's like, it, and it definitely... And you could also go in the small stage and see Anger Means. Of course. <laughs> yeah, play, you know? right, totally. Play, play in front of, like, 70 Twelve people. Kids. Right? yeah. <laughs> that are like, and we're all standing there like, are you guys going to play Strife songs? Right, are you going to play any? Are you really going to play that record? Right, <laughs> The one that I like forced myself to like, uh, um, and so, so then as you like you mentioned your your trajectory in regards to Whittier Christian was a really positive experience, and then you started to, so like, but it was in high school that basically independent music started to you yeah. know, become a real thing for you. Yeah, yeah, um, mostly because of the friends that I had. That because mm-hmm. um, you have brothers or sisters. I got two younger brothers and a younger sister. I'm the oldest of four. My sister's 17 years younger than me, so she's like a freshman at Cal State Fullerton. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't. I mean, I'm close to her, but it's we didn't. We, there's like literally you weren't zero in the same house, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, you were you were the person that was. Did you 
bestow any upon of those no. musical influences? No, no. And my brothers would. My brothers are jocks. Um, <laughs> just weren't interested. Just, like, here's my weird. They would older come brother. to my shows, uh-huh. you know, and just be like, "You guys are stupid. <laughs> like, you guys are out of your mind." I remember my younger brother, who's a tough kid. Like, he, he, he good hockey player, good football player, and mm-hmm. he actually was. Um, he was a fighter in hockey. Okay. He uh, he would come into my show, come to Ironwork shows, and he goes, "How come you guys let people like punch you and hit you and like everybody's cool with that?" <laughs> like, yeah, it's just kind of the way it is. It's hard to explain. Like, I'm not even gonna bother explaining to you. He's like, "Well, I gotta stay away because if somebody touches me, I'm fucking decking them." Like, and I was like, "Please don't." But if you do. Just know, like you're pretty safe. You're on the right side. <laughs> totally. You're on the right team. Yeah, you're on the right. You know? Yeah, you will be. You will you be. You will cool. be fine. You'll be. Protected. You're on the right team. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. But yeah, no, they they had they wanted they still think I'm weird. My middle brother is still like listens to fucking techno and movie scores and shit. Like, sure, he, we're so different. I'm the only one in my whole family. Anybody I even tried, like, hey, check this out. It was like, mm, no, nah, dude. <laughs> yeah. Nah, not for me. And so because, because you started to go on that path, was there a, a lot of, like, was there a lot of, like, sideways glances from your parents to be like, Whoa. Yeah, yeah. My dad's, um, my dad's, um, it was weird to him. He's, he's, you know, Merle Haggard, <laughs> you know. Sure. Just pretty straight line dude. Um I remember the first time I showed up with like green hair at the house. He literally said, "If you walk in the house, I'm gonna hit you." <laughs> I said, "All right." And turned around, went back, and then my girlfriend dyed my hair back. You're like, but it was just like it was. But after a while, they just went, "Okay, this isn't a phase. This is who you are." Okay, you know. And I've always gotten along with my parents. It was just more like, "What the fuck are you doing? What do you right. what do you mean? Like, how did what are you doing into this?" And it probably started around like the same as everybody else. For me, it was like puberty. Mm-hmm. You know, you get pissed off. Rage Against Machine sounds rad. Oh, absolutely. Pantera, you know. Totally. Metallica records. And then the next thing you know, you're in it. You right. Know? You, and, and for me, it was, uh, I had really, really good influences at, in high school. My buddies just, they were, my buddy Matt Cawthorn, who sings in the Bronx, not, I, I hate name dropping, but no. it is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. He was, He's, he, he was he your is, friend. He is one of the more knowledgeable punk LA punk historian dudes he re- he loves the history respects it and it was like the first punk mixtape i was handed i still revel at how rad it was it wasn't a mix of dumb shit uh-huh. it was like deep cuts from all the really really influential good bands and i picked and choose what i liked and um i started gravitating towards you know it was like well minor threat that's rad like, mm-hmm. You know, I really liked Fugazi, um, but then, you know, after that, after I was like, yeah, I like this and this, and then, like I said, my buddy was like, well, here, here's start today. Here's sure. here's the the youth of today seven inch. Right. And I was like, that's it. That's what I like. Mm-hmm. That is this. This is speaks it. to me. And I'll tell you why. And this is funny because I don't. Th- this isn't. I don't feel like this is a typical story. So I grew up playing sports Mm -hmm. i was a fucking jock like i can admit it Mm -hmm. um but i never felt at home with that crowd i was i was never a jock i just liked playing sports so i open up the gorilla biscuits um the liner and there's a picture of civ wearing a t-shirt that says some something baseball camp okay and he's wearing like levi's and a white t-shirt that says camp and i was like that looks like me that I, I found it. These guys, like, 
you can be normal. There, there's no costume. Mm-hmm. You know, being into punk rock, it was like, yeah, I like punk, and you know, I'd go to shows and be like, I am not these dudes. You right. know, I don't. I don't fit. have Liberty Spikes. Right? No, yep. I don't fit here. This is not my thing, but the music's rad. Mm-hmm. I really like it. I love the Subhumans. Love Subhumans. Right. But there is no farther human being look-wise for me than that crowd. Right, you know? absolutely. So I found hardcore, and I was like, that's it. There's no uniform. These are You can be yourself. You can be a normal American red-blooded dude, and that was me. And it was like I didn't want to put on any front. I just wanted to be who I was, and I found that. And, I, and the other thing at that time, I was straight edge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I... Not even I, I felt like I was straight edge before I was straight edge just because I was like I don't got time for that shit. Totally, dude. like my focus is on sports. I, yeah, this, yeah I, I don't have time for that. And it's like you know I grew up around it. It wouldn't have been a big deal for me to drink, um, but I just I didn't I didn't. And the other thing I I, I feel like I learned at an early age through um, family and friends um, that along with drinking and other things of that nature comes a pretty heavy responsibility. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's not just partying. Isn't just fun. Totally. You know what I mean? I saw it. My dad owns a plumbing company and I saw his employees be dudes in their thirties, forties with problems. Sure. Because of it, the weight of it. Right. 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 The real world adult life repercussions of a life of partying. And Mm -hmm. I was like, eh, I yeah, do I don't want to go down that road. Yeah. yeah well, I know? think you, you hit on something really important there that I think it's like a lot of people, especially when they're young and starting to develop their identity, is you do feel like you have to go in a lane and you have to adopt to whatever that lane may uh, yield. But it's like when you do realize it's like, oh, I can live in a world of sports and I can live in the world of like punk and hardcore, like that you can do both and they're not mutually exclusive. Because yeah. like, you know, there's... obviously that pressure was, you know, generationally speaking for people that are are older than us. Like that was more of a thing. Like you fucking pick a side. Like you can't be this or this, but it's like jock. Totally. And so, but then it's like, because we, we had whatever more choices or the, the scene was more accepting of that idea. Like you still got a weird look where you're just like, you're super into that. Like, okay. But like, it, it wasn't cool to front that you were into sports back then. Right. I take, for example, some of the guys who I've become friends with, closer over the past 10 years, a lot of the Orange County guys. Yep. A lot of those dudes are, like, really good. Like, Brandon Chappetti is a good baseball player. He was going to to be drafted. Big Jeff Saygood is a legit ball player. Totally. But those dudes, Brandon, the last thing you thought of when you looked at Brandon Chappetti and Bleeding Through was, I bet that guy's a good ball player. You know what I mean? Totally. So I I felt like... for me, it was I still kind of felt like an outsider no matter where I went because I was this kid who was into sports and I wasn't going to front that I wasn't, but mm-hmm. I also still loved punk and hardcore, but I don't look and feel like them. You know what I mean? So yep. I, I always kind of like uh, always, the black sheep thing. You know sure. what I mean? The black sheep thing for me was I never felt like I had a home, which is why I love hardcore because I don't think hardcore – has a set there's nothing like this is who you are there's mm-hmm. no uniform it's the best thing about it is that it's all different walks it's it's the krishna kids it's the christian kids it's the kids who are nowadays in the black metal mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah dude you're into what you're into but we're all here for the same reasons or or maybe just variations of the same reasons right right, right. um 
you, you're, whether you're pissed off or you have an agenda or whatever it is, come here and be a part of something. And for me, it was more the, it became more of like, show who you are, show your creative outlet. You know what I mean? Or, or let it be your creative outlet. Show your creative side. Okay. And and what I also liked about it was the, the fuck you, I'm going to start my own label. I'm going to start my own band. You know, I'm going to book my own shows. Right. And do things the way I want to do it. You know, sure. the, the, by any means necessary. However, we're going to do it. Oh, we're going to be a band? Cool. Let's, you know, let's go on. What was that old fucking, there used to be a website. It was like, help you book a tour. It was like literally a list of every okay. venue in the country. Sure. Like, yeah, I can just go on there and. Call these places and book a tour. Sure, sure. Now I'm on a band and we're in tour. We're on tour. <laughs> totally, totally. You know? And that's I'll what that's what I fell in love with. I just liked the the almost in a way the entrepreneurship of it. You mm-hmm. know, the, 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 the well, you didn't even know like you didn't even know that was a tur- like what you were doing. You didn't even know that it was actually doing something in a sense of like the entrepreneurship when you were doing these things. Like you said, you're booking shows. You're 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 doing things from that perspective of a band, but you didn't even feel like you're like, oh, I'm being an entrepreneur. You're just like, no, yeah, I got to yeah, do yeah, this. Yeah, And There's I wasn't even on that. I didn't even, I wasn't even involved really in that side of it until, um, until me and my now brother-in-law started 1917 Records. And even then I was like, he did everything. I didn't do anything. But <laughs> I just still like appreciated it and liked it. And I liked it. It was the driving force behind all of it. The, mm-hmm. the only reason it existed was because everybody did something. You sure. Know, people were actually out there booking shows and doing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the other thing that I felt like, because we're the same age. So when we got into punk, punk started having dollar signs attached to it. Sure. Late, it late, late, late nineties was like, I mean, especially like when you saw the confluence of like, cause I mean, obviously when it's like you, your, your green days and your offsprings and your rancids were starting to hit when we were you know, just getting into them. Right. Um, but then it was like, then you started to see like our peers, like I, cause I always cite where it's like, you know, hate breed was, was already kind of doing their thing and yeah. successful. But it's like, I think for me, it was always like when poison the well started to be like, like mainstream yeah. when I was like, holy shit, like these are dudes that played, played showcase. Yeah. Like, yeah. And we're on a, a whole different level of like, oh, we're going to tour with the Deftones. Like that's when it was yeah. like, yeah. Th- then you started to see the dollar signs attached to it. Right. And that was, and so for me that, that, that that small niche world of like, um, uh, you know, of, of just regular hardcore still was, uh, was, that's what spoke to me. It was, it was, um, I don't know, just so, it was genuine, you know, mm-hmm. it, 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 it was cool. I, I just, well, I still really love it, you know, I, 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 well, I mean, I think it's, it's very easy to see everything that, that you've been involved in having that exact strain and backbone mm-hmm. it's like I, I don't i don't think there's anything that that you have done from a sort of public persona that can't be easily just like oh yeah like i see like that's what <laughs> yeah. your your foundation was built off of that so everything is going to be a reflection of that moving yeah. forward yeah, yeah yeah what was your first kind of uh I, I guess for lack of a better term like the the uh, entrepreneur entrepreneurial i can never say that word mm-hmm. um what was your first because like did you did you play in bands in high school or did you no okay no, like i said i was donnybrook I, your first bit like donnybrook f- was it i literally like <laughs> it was we were all friends right um and I used to go to all the Hurricane Rana practices. Mm-hmm. Basically, the way Donnybrook was spawned was Hurricane Rana ran out of places to play. Nobody would book them. Nobody would book them. Straight yeah. up. Yep. So <laughs> they said, all right, we need to start a new band. And, uh, <laughs> and no one will have any idea. <laughs> and, well, and it was like, okay, we need to obviously, you know, what do we want to do? And 
we would all talk and uh, we were all into mad balls and we were all into the Southern California shit. And um, we had, we all had pretty similar tastes, but it was, we started a band and um, they literally, Martine and Drake taught me how to sing. I had never done any of it. I had never done anything. It was like, <laughs> yeah, I'll try that. Sure. Martine had an idea for doing a, lack of a better term, West Coast Mad Ball with two singers, yep. you know? And uh, we, you know, with me and Drake kind of being contrasting singers, me being more of the, I guess you would call it like the traditional, you know, almost, they all thought it was more of like a Jesse Stanhard. That was always okay. my fucking, that was like that was who your, I emulated. You right, know? right. And Dre was fucking this, you know, Six two big scary black dude that screamed like a fucking monster. Yep. And and uh yeah, it worked. It was cool. I loved it. It was it was my introduction to being in bands. Um I I, I was a dude that went to shows alone. Hey folks, my name is Matt Carter. I'm from the band Emory and I have a podcast called Break It Down. And essentially my deal is this. I'm a very analytical, scientific minded person who fell into the arts and music, wound up going to college for music and getting a degree, then starting a band and then uh, becoming a record producer and engineer. been doing that kind of stuff for over 10 years. And now I fall in love with podcasting and talking to people about how stuff works from music, composition, arranging, music theory, tech, science, uh, you know, maybe I'll talk to somebody who knows about self-driving cars and when that's going to happen. So if you're an analytical person and you like exploring how stuff works or you're, a, you know, a curious person, then I'd love to have you join me on the Break It Down podcast. You can find it on iTunes or, or really anywhere, breakitdownpod.com. I mean, really, isn't it pretty easy to find stuff these days? I mean, it's not hard. I'll put it this way. If you're not bright enough to find my podcast on the internet, then... Well, I guess it's probably over your head, <laughs> over your head anyway. <laughs> yeah, leave that in there. I, me and my, or me and my, my best friend Calvin, like that was, I didn't know anybody at shows. Right, I, you I weren't plugged into the no, scene. No, right? I was, you know, I, I just wasn't until then, until um, I moved to Boston in 98. I lived in Boston for two years. Uh, I came back and kind of reconnected um, through a mutual friend with, these with what turned out to be the Donnybrook dudes because mm-hmm. uh, we all went to junior high together. We were from literally like a block away from each other. Right. Um, and we just, like I said, hanging out all the time, going to Hurricane Ronna practice, Hurricane Ronna shows, and they want to start a new band. We started Donnybrook, and then it just, like, <laughs> the history of Donnybrook was wild because we went from being a band that started with, on our, on our demo I think four months into our demo, we were playing a sold-out show at Glass House, right? With Bleeding Through and Throwdown, sure. because of the because of the the um, you know the 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 buildup that Hurricane Rana had, sure, you know, the, of course, following. So it kind of translated into Donnybrook, and people loved it. Mm-hmm. We, I'm pretty proud to say that you know whether people like it or not, the one thing you can't deny was. Name another band like Donnybrook from Southern California. Prior it's a to very that. yeah, totally. It, it was it was different. We were trying. We were doing something different, and mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the, was it? Uh, did you feel like because there was so much momentum going into it of this this just the attention that was placed on you? Um, were you scared of shit to like get up there and sing? You know what? It, 
in the very, very beginning, because I just sucked and I didn't know what I was doing, like, I literally, Marty and Dre literally had to teach me, like, dude, you idiot, do you have any rhythm? Like, can you sing? Like, just get these vocal parts right, please. And, you know, and then sure. I got better and then uh-huh. I got confident. And to be honest, after the first couple shows, I, I was never nervous. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that was a result of, I mean, when I was 19, I played in uh, hockey. Uh, I was in hockey games on TV. And so the nerves that I, you know, learning how to deal with nerves, mm-hmm. I think, was the real way that I, co- I, I, I knew how to cope with the nerves. Right. You know what I mean? Um, did you have to, did, like, just because... Totally of, different, though. Totally oh, different. completely, totally completely. Different. Did you have to, because uh, I, I, I wasn't sure with the trajectory of the, the sports side versus the music side, like, did you have to make a proverbial choice where it was like, all right, well, I'm going to pursue Donnybrook. No, okay. no. When I moved home from Boston, I hung them up. I stopped playing. Okay. Um, all of my college offers to play hockey kind of washed out, mm-hmm. um, mostly due to my grade point average. Uh, uh, <laughs> sure, that, that uh, yes. But, uh, but yeah, I stopped playing, um, for a living basically, like, you know, attempting to make something of myself in that world. And mm-hmm. within six months that it was Cause you, transition because you graduated the other. So you graduated high school and you were basically, yeah. and you, and then you were basically try, ba- trying to make yeah, it as a hockey three years. Got yeah, it. Yeah. And so what did, the, what did that consist of? Like that did be basically played on, on, on whatever D league teams or like how did that travel teams? Yeah. So hockey works a little bit different. Um, you know, traditional sports is high school, college, pros. In hockey, what we have is um, there's a level between and sort of mixed into high school, which is called juniors. It's ages 16 to 20. Okay. And it's basically you go here. This is the scouting system for colleges. Okay. okay? Um, so I went and I played until I was 20, until I could play no longer mm-hmm. prior to that it was all you know living here playing club Got travel it. hockey sure sure um and then uh yeah i left home and made a half-ass go of it and mm-hmm. then it didn't pan out the way i thought or i to be honest the other part of it was just like i got homesick you know i'm from southern california boston's fucking cold yep boston's cold people are dicks <laughs> it's so funny the way i i love talking about boston because people are dicks but they're also nice sure they're so much nicer than they are here but they'll also be like they'll just rip you a new asshole right. for no reason sure you know? they're just they're the nicest assholes in the world but, <laughs> right right um, right got it and so th- so then you you came back and then that's obviously when when donny brooks started yeah you yeah it was 20 it was the year uh yeah it was almost 21 got and it. um like i said within a few months um we all started, we kind of all, you know, reconnected with those dudes that I went to junior high with, and it all just went from there. Right. And the, the, um, because you guys, I mean, you were active, but like you weren't touring like nine months out of the year. Like you no. guys, you guys were doing like, you did, you did spot tours here and there, right? No, no. See, that's really, we, we okay. went from being a local band that would, you know, the, the furthest we went was we'd go play Gilman. Oh, okay. You know, we'd go up north. We'd play Sacto. We'd play West Coast Worldwide, Gilman, <laughs> and you know the usual, the usual circuit. Yeah. yeah. And um, so we started it. It was like December of two thousand one is when we did our demo. We started, mm-hmm. and then um, started playing shows. I think the first show was probably like January, February, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were strictly local. Okay. From that point, and we we practiced all. That was like the big thing is we practice two times a week 
Okay. Every week, we always were doing something, and we played a lot of local shows. You did, yes. And we build up a good hype, and we pass our demos for free. Mm-hmm. We had a good, we had a good local following, and then all of a sudden, we started meeting more of the LA crowd because mm-hmm. we're from Whittier. So Whittier is weird as far as in in our world because it's literally between LA and Orange County. Totally, you know. So we knew the. Bleeding through, throw down dudes. We knew the Orange County guys, but then we started also getting to know, you know, Corey Williams, the internal affair dudes, mm-hmm. uh, internal affairs. And uh, we actually started, I don't know if it was, a, I, don't, I don't remember how, but those are the dudes that we actually started to get more, um, I don't know what the word is. We, we just... We gravitated towards the L.A. The thing LA a little thing, bit sure. more than the Orange County because back then Orange County was still pretty metal. Oh, absolutely. You, know? you guys, we were yeah, not, you guys did not fit in no, no, no. from that we, so- sonically. Right. Exactly. So we started going more the L.A. route. We got to be buddies with Internal Affairs, and they, you know, Corey was like, hey, uh, let's do a tour. Mm-hmm. And there was no fucking around, dude. We started June of 2004 was our first tour, and it ended in fucking November. Like, our first tour was two full U.S.'s. That's uh, and, nuts. And, and into Canada. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, and, that, so, and, and, that, and then that, I quit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like, I, I was, we did the two full tours with a week off in between. Um, and we were about to go out on another one after a two-week break. And it was with Hunter Demons. And it was a f- another full U.S., like, two and a half month. Mm-hmm. And I went. No, I'm out. I was, can't do it. Was it basically just you You were just burnt out on the idea of being gone for so, so long? So by like, that time, I was like almost 25. Uh-huh. And I had done my fuck around time. I played hockey for three years after high school. I moved back east. I didn't feel like I was going anywhere. Okay. All of my friends were all college hockey players. Okay. Um, I had like literally you know, 24 units to my name at, at FJC. Right. And I couldn't care less. If, I, I just literally couldn't care less about school. I hated school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like I got to get, I have to get started on my life. I can't do this. This is, I am not a musician. Where did, where did that come from though? Like, because that, that, that I mean, that's a very practical thought. Like um, my dad, oh. my mom and dad, <laughs> okay, like straight it. up just being like, so you're about to go on a tour, huh? That's cool. You're in a band now. Yeah, that sucks. You know, like okay, you know, you better move out. Like you know, they were supportive. They were supportive. I shouldn't. Sure. I make it sound like they weren't supportive, but it was more like you realize you're almost 25 years old. My dad's like, you know, at your age, I owned a house, I had a business, right. I started a business. I had already been in Navy. You know, I was like, oh god, you know, yeah. Adult crash is like you can. It's not there yet, but you can see it on the horizon. And <clears throat> I just. Um, I don't know, man. I think the weight of that, like, I think it's that 25, when you hit 25, and you start seeing friends graduating school mm-hmm. and getting on with their lives, and I was still fucking around, mm-hmm. you know? And I didn't want to be that guy. Um, and to be honest, the other thing was for me is, like I said, this, this was my first band. I was not a musician. Right. I didn't feel like I had a future in this. Sure. This was like, all right, I'd always wanted to do this. Cool. Got to see... Got to do a lot of rad shit in these, you know, three years, but it's not for me. And the deciding factor was I had a guy, um, a guy I uh, played like adult hockey with who owned a company, and he said, hey, you want a job? And I said, 
it was a pretty decent job for somebody with no education. Sure. And uh, and I said, yeah. He's, I said, well, I'm leaving on tour next week, and I'll be back in you know February. He's like, oh, the job won't be there when you get back. Like, I need a job. I, I need somebody Monday. This is like a Friday, and we were supposed to literally leave on tour Saturday. Wow. Yeah. And I so, so I had to show up to uh, I had to show you had up to show to up to the, the what band ended up leaving being my last Donnybrook show. At Long Beach Coos, okay, yes, and tell them I'm not leaving. <laughs> it was the oh, worst. I was about to say that must have been rough. It was rough because we were all really close friends, right? You know, and that was the thing is I'm I've I've now been around enough dudes in bands. Not everybody in bands is friends. They get along to go along, and it's just you know part of what they do. Mm-hmm. This was like five friends or six six friends that were uh it was more than just being in a band i was i was literally touring with my best friend sure that uh, it's like you were best friends that happened to play music yes exactly right and uh and i just didn't you know man i just did not see myself as a musician i just it wasn't me it wasn't i wasn't looking to take this to another level Mm -hmm. and i knew you know i'd been around enough to know that the lifespan of Donnie Brook would only go so far, and mm-hmm. I wasn't gonna, you know, make it, quote unquote. Sure. And um, I just, it just, I, I it, it was a, I, it was, I, it was, it's a real regret. Like I really regret how I did it because I bailed on my friends, like mm-hmm. straight up. Um, was there? Did they harbor obviously a lot oh, of animosity? Oh, Dre, Dre grabbed me by my collar and like threw me against a building around the corner. Okay. And was just like. Laying into you, yeah, and I and I took it because I knew he was right. I right. mean, I, well, I, I have no defense for that, you know? right? Um, You're like, but I got a job. I'm starting on Monday. Yeah, they're yeah. like, congratulations. Yeah, fuck you. You know, <laughs> now not all of them were that, it, you but know, still, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was a tough decision to come to, and it was because I did. I had to make it so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't regret quitting Donnybrook. I just regret quitting when I did and how I did because it wasn't right. That's not. It wasn't like a good representation of who I was. I, I don't like to. I wouldn't. You leave people, people hanging. Yeah, of I don't course, bail on of people course. Like that. Right. They literally had one day to practice as a five piece instead of with, you know without me. <laughs> right. And that sucked. Yeah. 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 How long? How yeah. long did they exist? Uh, did they existed for like another year or so after you had left, or was it was it pretty short lived after that? They're I can't s- recall. I mean, they still play shows. Right. Uh, yeah. But uh, but as 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 that, the touring units, like no, dude, they 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 toured. Um, I want to say another two years. Okay. The only thing, the aside from the way I did it and bailing on my friends the way I did, the only real regret is I missed. I was basically two months early to, uh, or I missed it by two months to a European tour. Right, and that which would have been right. That was <laughs> like, that, that was like to me. That's like the dream of anybody who is in a hardcore band that starts out with not really any aspirations or or mm-hmm. like this is what we're gonna do it's like dude it'd be rad to be able to get somebody to pay for us to go to europe totally you know and, <laughs> yeah as everybody in bands is known that's that's <laughs> and i didn't get to do it no bands i was ever in sure did, any, did anything else and then and so then when you when you got back and obviously started to uh, you know pursue more of a well i wouldn't even say a serious life but like you said start to have a path to where you were like did you have a sense of like you're like okay do I I still want to be involved in hockey in, in and around that or were you just kind of like no well well actually come to think of it yeah I indirectly I didn't want to but it kind of just fell in my lap right um, I had a job and um, at that time like I said most of my friends who were the good hockey players at that time were all off playing 
okay. college um, or even moving into pro hockey. Mm-hmm. And I was like the somewhat good young guy still at home. So I started getting sort of making money like teaching kids and coaching. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, so I started doing a lot of like private lessons with kids and I, I started coaching 16 year olds. Sure. Um, and making pretty fucking decent money. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. especially because it's like, Hey, here's a person who like knows what they're doing is young enough to be relatable and like, yeah. Yeah. And it was all, and, and I was young enough too that, that all of the guys who were running these programs, I was, they were really like my old coaches. Right. So they, they could plug you right in. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I came and that's what I did for a few years and I just got burned out cause I just, I was still a little bit too, I was too young, too hot headed, didn't have the patience, and I didn't get along with some of the parents because I just thought they were batshit crazy. Right. You know, which yeah. is the you know youth sports in general, of course. Um, but yeah, that's that's um, that. So I started doing that while working, and I kept that job for a while. But mm-hmm. it was uh, it was just a dumb. It was like a fucking you know a golf club manufacturing or golf bag manufacturing company. Oh, know, okay. And, um, it wasn't a career; it was right. a job. And know? did did you have an inkling of like what you actually like wanted, wanted to, to do? do? Yeah, my dad. Since my dad owns his own business, right? I always envisioned myself either owning my own business or, I since I was the one job I had my most of my life was working for my parents, mm-hmm. um, and I always kind of was like, you know, I was the you want to own your own thing. I was the oldest son. I was always kind of like in line to go run the place eventually and my dad liked that i was going to work for other people and gain other work experience and Mm -hmm. and um and show that i was capable of being an employee you know um that wasn't for my dad right of course i mean so uh but yeah no i always had i always had um i guess that entrepreneurial spirit in Mm -hmm. me because that's what i grew up with sure you know i watched my dad you know, literally not be home for a week because he was off on a construction site in Sacramento building a 7-Eleven doing the plumbing. Uh, but then I also got to see my dad bail at, you know, 1 o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday to jump a plane with me to go to Seattle to play in a hockey tournament. Right. So he I saw there. the – Yeah, yeah. And I, well, and I saw the, the benefits uh, of, of owning your own business, but I also saw the downfalls of being an entrepreneur, which is – it's really fucking hard. And right. You take – there's no – you don't punch a clock. You are on all the time. You uh, – it is it is your life. It's not your job. It's your life. Of course. Um, it's all but fun. I always – and I but I always liked it. And like I said, it was it was what I knew. So that's – I always had it in me. And I didn't start – I didn't start anything on my own um, for a while after that, not to like 08. Okay. Yeah. And that and that was when that was when you started screen printing, yeah. correct? Yeah. And so more wh- of a more as a hobby. Oh seven, oh eight. <clears throat> and it was it was the hardcore the same the old hardcore story. Yeah. I was in bands. Sure. I owned, I was part owner of a record label and we needed shirts printed. And I was like, everybody we get shirts from is a crackhead. Right. A dumb crackhead. This <laughs> so, was before hardcore had thirty five dudes owning merch companies. Absolutely. You know, this was there were you were still going to the yellow pages. Or oh, online totally. to find somebody to print your shirts. If I didn't have, if if Jason Welsher from Today for Die Trying, whatever you like to know him as, yeah. if I didn't know him, like I would not, I don't know who I would have printed the, all the taken merch yeah. through. It's like, yeah, you, you definitely had a shortage of people. But yeah, yeah like you yeah. said, so you you basically were just like, hey, I it was I can of, figure this out. Somewhat out of necessity, yeah. Um, I had done, you know, I took three years of art in high school because uh, my baseball coach was the art teacher, so I needed to pass 
Um, I love that. But uh, yeah, we took you know it was like an art seminar class and introduction to screen printing, Got and it. Uh, and I just loved it. Made a Hayfried shirt in class. Oh, that's amazing! <laughs> <laughs> it looks so funny. It just exa- this is like a total representation of me in high school. It's like a Hayfried shirt and a focused shirt. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. You're like, all right, this is perfect. Yeah, yeah. I got all I need. But uh, um, yeah, so it just kind of it it started just you know hobby, just learning. Um, and and you uh, would do stuff for your friends' bands, I presume, and people that no, because I sucked. Okay, and I didn't like doing stuff <clears throat> for my friends that was bad, and I I knew I was bad. I literally didn't know what I was doing. I just right. bought some, I you know, I saved up some money, bought some equipment, and. Mm-hmm. And then I learned and got a little better, but I always kept a job. Um, and then I started kind of doing it on my own full time for a couple years, like oh eight oh nine, and it didn't go well. Um, the one thing I learned is that I was printing shirts for my friends in hardcore bands. Yeah, and it's really hard when your friends owe you money. Oh, dude! And it's also really hard when you fuck up your friends' shirts. Sure, you know. So I. I started gravitating away from the band merch world, mm-hmm. which was my, you know, insulated network. Like that's who I knew. Absolutely. You know? So I went, you know, back to the drawing board, got him, you know, started working again. Um, fast forward a few years of just, it was in my garage. I'd print for, you know, whatever came my way. I printed and made a little money. Right. Um, and then in 2010, um, an old hockey friend, I was a owned a owned a hockey like brand. Okay. Um, and they were they needed somebody to print, and they offered me this like weird in house subcontractor gig where no no rent. I went in in their building in Los Alamitos and printed, and that's how it kind of took off. Got it. Yeah, and so then doing it full time. That's amazing. Yeah. And then and, and at that time you uh you had been married for a couple of years prior to that. I got right? married in 2010, but I've been with my wife since 2001. Okay, got it. Yeah. Um and then you had you had your cuz you have three kids? Or three kids, yeah. Three kids I and got three boys. When so did 2000 born 2000 what? 11, 12 and uh, last year. Yeah, just get them all out of the way, right? Yeah. <laughs> just pop them, just right popping them out. Yeah. Um and so then when the then cuz basically DOS bootleg started to happen like was that like 2000 early 2014 or was yeah. it Yeah. Okay. Uh, November 13, okay. November 13. Um, basically, what happened is that 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 guy I was working for, right? they looked at what uh, how much work they were giving me mm-hmm. and came to the conclusion that uh, they were paying me too much money and they could do it themselves better, which sure. was just a you know, terrible idea. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I went from having one customer to having zero customers. Right. And... Back to the drawing board, and it would happen three months after I signed a three-year lease in a building, the same building I'm in now. Right. So I went from like having three full-time employees to being like, "What am I? Shit! Right. What do I do now?" Do you? Because you, since you've had to press like the reset button a few times in your Mm -hmm. life, is like, do you somehow feel like you feed off that in certain respects, or is it the? No. Well, (laughs) you know what? Maybe, maybe like without even realizing it, maybe. Maybe a little bit. Um, I mean, not even feed off it in in any way other than just like it's. Uh, a, it, it de- I mean, you got to. Li- I mean, I'm definitely. I'm. I can admit, I'm the kind of person that every once in a while needs a fire lit under their ass. You sure. know what I mean? I need that. Like, holy shit! This you is get really- up and move your ass, or right. you're gonna fucking starve to death. Right. You know. And now I did it with a six month old. 
Right. And it's like real life's kicking in, and then it's like, fuck, do I sell my shit? You know, do I just bail on this whole thing and go back to work for my dad and tuck tail and do that? Right. You know, now at 31 years old. Right. And I just basically said, no, I can figure something out. And um, I had this really rad art girl working for me. She now works for a big clothing company, Mm -hmm. but she was a friend of a friend. Um, and I saw, she was doing a lot of like, you know, band design shit. Sure. And she was just this art girl, art school, um, graduate who was working at, uh, um, uh, where's she working? Fucking Urban Outfitters. Oh, okay. And I was like, hey, your job at Urban sucks, Urban sucks, right? She's like, yeah. I was like, you want to like just draw shit full time and come to work for me? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, okay. So I decided, okay, well. It's hard for me to find customers right now, but I can start my own shit. I can start my own brand. I'm I'm not an artist, but I feel like I have enough creativity in me that I can come up with something maybe people like. So then I started my hockey brand called Blood and Guts, and mm-hmm. it did okay in the beginning. It was just kind of like a learning curve, like how to how to build a brand, build sure. A brand, you know, how to how to how to day to day, you know, um, not only you know design but print, house, fulfill you know, ship from beginning to end. Right. And um, so we started that. And then one day we were just sitting there and I was like, you know, I started, I started gaining a few more customers. I started printing for some people, but Mm -hmm. in that world, it's like, uh, it's almost all net 30. Oh, absolutely. So you're cash poor a lot. You are. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I basically, I sat down at her desk and I said, we need to figure something out that we can sell and get paid for now. I need to sell retail. I, I need something that can make me some cash. Right. And uh, and we started, you know, I, I, I remember posting this on Instagram. Uh, it was like, I have now crossed into the dark side of screen printing, which is bootlegging. And we were going to start bootlegging punk band shit. Right. You know, that I, I don't want to be this guy. Well, dude, there was, a, I, I, when I worked at Bionic Records, there was a company, I'm fairly certain they no longer exist, but mm-hmm. they called Trenchtown. Yep. And that know the name, yeah. totally. And it was like they 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 would come into Bionic, bring us a catalog, and it was one of those that my boss bought you know boatloads of the shirts. And it was one of those things where it was like as I was sell, I so distinctly remember this was hilarious. But like Davey Havoc came in one day, and he was like he w- was buying like AFI stickers, and he bought a shirt, and he was just like, yeah, I've never seen any of this stuff. And he's like <laughs> he's like that's probably because it's bootleg, right? And it's like I had to look him in the eye and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was yeah. like. But I mean, that it's a big world. It's a, it's huge, a huge world. Huge world. Totally. People just don't. It's not just Etsy. Like no, <laughs> no, not <laughs> at all. A yeah, huge world to the point where, um, I started getting into that world. Uh, I hadn't really gotten. I was one foot in. I was kind of dipping my toe. Right. And a buddy of mine goes, "Dude, don't fuck with that world." you will literally get death threats. Like, there's people that make their living off of that shit, and they are old, greasy punkers, and right. they won't give, they don't give a fuck. And I'm like, fuck you. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I, like... You're like, I got this. Yeah, like, I got crazy friends, too. Fuck off, you know? <laughs> right. But, but the reality of it was, like, there's dudes that have that world on lock. Like, oh, absolutely. They are bootleggers. Right. And, you know, it's the a bon- s- like the Bondurant brothers in the fucking movie. Like, mm-hmm. you don't fuck with that, you know? And mm-hmm. I said, well, not only do I not want to be known as that, but, I, you know, that's their business. That's their livelihood. I'm not going to fuck with it. So we sat down and we were like, what, what, can, what else can we do? And the idea was we were going to do bootlegs that nobody had seen before. 
you know, weird designs or nobody had done, done it in a long time. Of course. So we, were, we started toying with the idea of a brand. Okay. And I thought, I'm not going to base a brand off of other people's band merch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Unlicensed band merch. Sure. So then one day we found this rad picture of Lemmy crushing a beer can in his, in his mouth. Uh-huh. And I go, God, that'd be fucking awesome on a shirt. <laughs> and we looked at each other and we were like, how can we print a picture on a shirt? Mm-hmm. And we literally just hit print, uh, you know, and ripped a film, burned a screen and printed it. And we both stared at each other like, holy shit, that's fucking awesome. This looks real good. I was like, I can do more of this. Right. You know, and then that was literally that day we sat down. We just started thinking what would I said, I want to make shirts that I'm going to wear. I want it to be like genuine and real into my who it is that I'm into because I know there's a lot of people who are into what I'm into. Right. And that was how it started. Well, I think because and I think that's what's so that I I don't want to use the word charming, but I think that's what's so charming about what it is that the 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 culture that you've built around your brand is that it's it's of a, obviously of a certain sensibility it's obviously off the beaten path for the most part it's like whatever you say you do things that are obviously of like a huge pop culture icon or whatever yeah but it's of it's y- y- i like it too because obviously you specifically name your shirts where like you have to know what it is yeah 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 it's the inside <laughs> info shit it's the deep, totally it's the deep cuts yeah it's 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 an actual knowledge it's not just you know, these you're other not people, trying to. It's the other, there's other people that are selling David Bowie shirts. Like, yes. You give a fuck, you know. Oh, of They've course. Never listened to Diamond Dogs in their life. No. You know, so and and I that, and that's to me that's what um what's what bleeds through and makes it the genuine aspect totally yeah. and and makes it relatable to the to the point where it's just like oh yeah you, you, yeah there's there's the bootleg aspect of it and I yeah oh, go ahead but but there it but it's it's coming from a very. Um, not only respectable place in the sense of like you are showing a reverence for this piece. So funny with a name called Das Bootleg. Totally, getting, I get respect. Right, it's wild. And yeah, I know, but it's but I, I think that's what that's what I mean. That's the way I perceive it, and I think that it's like if you show it to most other people, they would they would have similar feelings or emotions towards it. Where it's not just this simple, like it's not cut and paste. Like you said, it's not just being like, all right, here's the four black flag bars and a shirt. Yeah, and I can't yeah. wait, can't wait to sell you know tens of thousands of these, and it's like. There's more, um, as funny as it sounds, there's more of an artistry <laughs> what it is that you're doing, Dude, in my respect. So, you know, I have, um, you know Ryan Downey. Yes. Ryan Downey is like the first person that came up to me and started telling me about what I was doing was better than, you know, or cooler than what all these other brands were doing mm-hmm. with their original artwork. Right. And I was like, dude, like, come on. Like, come yeah, on. shut I'm, up. Yeah, like don't I like I, I I love and appreciate that somebody like uh, gets what I'm attempting, mm-hmm. you know. But I don't. Maybe it's just because I don't look at myself as an artist, or I don't look at myself as um, you know the curator of a brand. Right, and it's that's and that's kind of the for me that's kind of like what Das Bootleg is. Is it's kind of the anti-brand. I don't put the name on it anywhere. I yeah, you're not putting on tags, right? I don't even right. put on size tags. No, which I could easily do of in course. two seconds. Right, but I don't because 
first of all, I don't want somebody to grab the shirt that has a license and be like, oh, that's the name of the company. All right, I'm going to find yeah, it. Yeah, I can't wait to trace you that know? back. It, it's, it, to me, the shirts break down to this. It's, it's when you see somebody wearing one of these shirts, it's a conversation piece. I have dudes that straight up come up to me like, yo, dude, I got laid in a bar because of one of your shirts. Because a girl saw my shirt, chatted me up, and I fucking took her home that night. And I was like, that's amazing. Like, you like the, the, the DOS bootleg success story. You absolutely. Know? But it, it, it's, it's that, you know, I try and put stuff on shirts that I like. And it's, it's I mean, because I, I, I think the, the, the point of, of, or, you know, what you're trying to say there is the, it's filtered through your lens. It's, it's obviously, like I said, curated to a specific audience, but that specific audience is much wider than just like the context of the punk and hardcore scene yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But that there is, there is that same sensibility of, like you said, like, you need to know this. You need mm-hmm. to know that this is from Lost in Translation. You need yeah. to know, like, yeah, that's a movie that anybody could fucking watch, mm-hmm. but, like, not everybody has, and not everybody, yeah. people would be like, oh, it's Bill Murray, what is what is that? And yeah. it's like, and like you said, you can have those conversations with people, and you could educate a, a checker at Trader Joe's to an amazing movie. Dude, that's, absolutely. That's And that's part of it, too, is uh, I feel like as we get older in our world, like, it's still like, you know, in the hardcore thing and punk thing, the underground thing, whatever, you still get a little bit of that, like, you know, it's ours, not yours thing. Of course. But at the same time, if the guys who came before us had that, we might have never found out about it. If somebody didn't walk up to me and hand me a mixtape, I would have never known about it. If they'd have been like, fuck you, this kid's not cool enough to listen. Yeah, yeah, to he, doesn't, he, right, he doesn't he's pass the cool test. not cool enough to listen to white caps. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh,. It was, uh, and, and so I kind of had to, like, accept, not accept that, but kind of take that on as a little bit of, like, all right, part of what I'm doing is there's going to be people who see things that I'm putting out that they don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to be like, hey, man, only fucking people who know what this is. No, like, you know, if you don't know what it is, ask. Of course. You know, and, and, oh, dude, you know, this, yeah, this fucking band rules. Check it out. Totally. You know, if you're into this, you might be into this. That's, that's part of what makes our world cool, I think. Yeah. Uh, and as it relates to DOS bootleg, it's, um, okay, I have a Lana Del Rey design. Yes. Totally off the wall compared to everything else that we have. Right. But I, that ultraviolence record fucking rules. It's a great I record. I love it. Totally. And I totally hated everything about her before I listened to it. Sure. Out of no, for no reason. No reason. Because right. of who listened to it. it. was Of course. Like, oh, cool, another fucking Tumblr girl right. posting a picture of Lana Del Rey. <laughs> yeah, totally. But I listened to it, I was like, that's rad. And then I started seeing like, wait a minute, she's like, you know, there's a lot of people in our world that are kind of into her. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, I like her enough. I'll, I'll wear a shirt with Lana Del Rey on it. Right. And I put it out and it was like fucking wildfire. Right. You know, I started realizing, like, holy shit, like, I have friends that I never would have thought were into her sure. or into Lana Del Rey. Right. And, uh, and that kind of opened up a whole new thing because that was like the first what I would consider like mainstream thing that I did. Okay. Uh, design that I did. I hate calling it design, by the way. But it's the mainstream shirt. Sure. But yeah, that kind of opened my eyes and, and I started doing more, um, less just, you know, straight culty shit, you know, Roz from Christian Death. Of you course, know, right. That, um, and, uh, and yeah, I started doing more. I started, you know, Bowie, shit mm-hmm. like that. I was like, I yeah. like Bowie, you know? Right. Um, I guess I guess what it really boiled down to for me was I'm going to wear what, I'm going to make shirts of shit that I like. Yeah, totally. You know? When was the, uh, <coughs> and the, the last thing I wanted to tap on before I let you go was the, uh, 
obviously because I mean, and you, there's a badge. Dude, of, we just got started. I know. It's, well, this, is, this, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the beauty of podcasting, yeah, my friend. Right. The uh, like when you obviously first started to put this out there and, and word started to spread and you started to see like, you know, the return, like you said, where people are actually purchasing and you have money in your PayPal account and it's like, oh, wow, this is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when did, like, did the first kind of, you know, cease and desist orders that started to come through and like when people started to, you know, knock on your door, mm-hmm. was that intimidating? Like, was Fuck that... Fuck yeah, okay. I was scared shitless, dude. Okay, okay. I mean, well, uh, well, I started doing a little bit of homework and and, you know, there's like... I was aware of cease and desist, right? Um, but I didn't know a whole lot about the law as outside of cease and desist. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Yeah, cease and desist, cool. I'll take it down. All right." You know, the no first problem. one I got was a picture of Jimmy Page drinking a bottle of Jack Daniels. Okay, and Jack Daniels sent me a cease and desist. Oh wow! And uh, and I was like, "Okay," and I took it off the site, and that was it. It was it. Like that was the end of it. Sure. And I thought. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I've got like 150 designs. I'm not going to get a cease and desist on all of these. Sure, you know I can maybe like just work through it. I can just keep, you know, just keep going. Right. And uh, and then I kind of started to do a little more homework, and I had a few friends dig into asking, you know, copyright lawyers and shit about right. it. And they're like, "Yo, if somebody wants to come at you criminally, they can. Mm-hmm. If, you, if they feel like you are." You've damaging their brand, right? You know, it's all infringement. If they sure. feel like you are straight up damaging their brand, they can come after you for damages. Mm-hmm. And I was, uh, you know, <laughs> that's when I started like making the Instagram account private and right. <laughs> it was just see, and that's the other thing. Like I don't like I don't use hashtags mm-hmm. um, because I just I want it to be I, again. I hate the word the organic organically I want spread. It to sure. Be, or I want it to organically spread. I want it to be, hey, you're into this. You have friends that are into this. Tell them. You mm-hmm. know, pass the word along. Right. Just be real careful about when you post your pictures. Of course. When you get it, your little selfies and your shirts. You know, like. Right. Don't please, please don't. You know, hashtag Edward Scissorhands. Right. You know, <laughs> just please, please. Totally. You know, but um, so I I haven't had one in a while. Um, cease and desist. That yes. Is. Right. Uh, right. It's so fucking sketchy, though, dude. I, yeah. I hate it. It's so, I hate it so much. Right, it's, right. To be honest, man, it, it got to the point where it's gotten big enough that it is part of my income. Yeah. I don't, I'm not going to mince words about it. Like, it's part of my living. Right. And I, you know, I love it. I, it's, it's, it's really fun. It's of really course. cool to be able to, it's For me, it's, this is my first time in my life outside of maybe music, but I never wrote it. I never wrote the music. This is the first thing I've made that I get to make, and I get to make, and people go, "Hey, I really like that. That's cool." Right, and I like it. You it know, it's well, a good yeah. feeling. It's rad. Well, because, yeah, because I mean, as much as like you said, you, you don't feel like you're an artist. There, you have admitted, and I will agree with you. It's like there, there is uh, the creative component mm-hmm. to put this together. It's like not a. Well, not only that, but then the actual execution of it. I think because a lot of people, I mean, you've had so many friends where it's just like, whatever, you've got a million good ideas in your head, but it's like, just actually do that. Yeah, and the follow through that I actually, yeah. And that's that's the one thing I'm really proud about is how I've been able to, um, to handle, you know, not only the development, but this, the, with, with that, with with a little bit of, you know, a mild success Mm -hmm. is, you know, the day to day. Like, I'm really proud of the way that we do things. Like, we do things really good, and we take care of people that buy. And, yeah, there's problems, you know, shipping issues like everybody else has. And the thing about us, we're print to order. 
when you order a shirt from us, it's not sitting on a shelf. Right. The screen is. Right. The shirt is. But then we got to put those two together and make a shirt or make the print. Right. Um, so it's challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's cool. I, I dig it. I just, I cry, you know, knock on wood, cross my fingers that it keeps going. Right. Um, or that some, you know, somebody big comes and be like, hey, I'll buy that off you. Like, sold, dude. <laughs> I'll sell it to you right now. You're like, no problem. But, uh, yeah, it's cool. It's, you know. Right. It's just, it's so crazy, like, thinking that now, like, that's what I'm, you know, my whole, the, everything is led up to this, and now I'm, oh, Bo from Das Bootleg. Right. <laughs> well, but, but I mean, then it's one of those things where it's just like, you, you never know where that, you know, around the turn where it's like your identity changes into something else. And it's like, yeah. as long, because yeah. to, to me, it's like the, the, like I said, all of the things that, that I've seen you do and accomplish, they all have that same sort of tenet. Like I said, that sort of backbone of mm-hmm. like, this is viewed through my lens. This is what I do. Um, this is, this is the hustle. Cause I, I, I think that's what, you know, probably like, like you said, it comes from your father and yeah. like watching, experiencing, owning your own business, like, so many people, you just, you just don't, you, they just never do anything because they can't execute. Yeah, 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 and I think it's, you know, I guess, you know, as far as it goes along with, like, with me, it's just, I'm, I, I'm the kind of guy that thinks that if, you know, shit ain't handed to you, you just have to get something, you have to do something, you yeah. know, and, I don't know, it's, uh, yeah, no, no one's going to deliver yeah, what it is yeah. that you want to the world. Like you just have to manage. You got you gotta, you gotta work. Right. <laughs> that's what, I mean, really like, I think that's like, yeah, the bottom line for me is that at a certain point in my life, I realized like, I hate to work. Mm-hmm. That was part of why I quit Donnybrook back to that story. It was, I fucked around for a while. It's time to get to work. You know, it's time to like get into a, get into that part of my life. Right. Absolutely. I had a lot of fun. I played <coughs> sports and well, I think around it's, for a long time. I think it's interesting too. The, the, not that that wasn't work, but right. Well, yeah, but like that, that, because there is, it's, it's very easy to have that sort of, you know, extended area, extended time of your life, the stunted adolescence where it's like, even if people are older and they're still involved in the same stuff that they've been involved in for a long time, it doesn't mean that you can't do adult shit. Like yeah. you can still be essentially the same person. Yeah. Yeah. But you're just doing adult shit now. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Well, Bo, this has been extremely fun for me. I hope you. Yeah, man. I'm bummed it's over. I'm I, I was really flattered you asked me to be here, man. This is really cool. Well, Nobody, I, I, I don't. Like I said, this is. Uh, you know, I haven't been interviewed since like I, 2008. <laughs> 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 fucking snake eyes or something. Totally, totally. Well, it's a, the, 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 this podcast is a perfect platform for the idea of people showcasing the fact that you can so you can ping pong off so many different directions. Yeah. With the backbone like i said of independent music where yeah. it's just like who knows where you're gonna end up yeah yeah it's a wild wire it's a wild ride man it's, <laughs> it's cool there you have it there was Bo, and what a great discussion right i just uh i i love it when people are enthusiastic about sharing their stories on the show and then uh yeah have fun with this thing so like i said here is your coupon code because if you look at Das Bootleg's website, which is dasbootleg13.com, and you don't find something you like, I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't think you got a pulse. I don't think you uh, enjoy movies, music, all that sort of stuff that uh, keeps the world going around. So anyways, use the code 100 words or less, and that's the number 100 words or less, and you get 20% off. Bo is doing this just for the listeners of the show. So uh, yeah, pick up some clothes. Make yourself look cool. And uh, hopefully you will um, 
use that, please, right? I mean, I, I, I'm going to use it, <laughs> so you might as well use it as well. And so, like I said, visit dosbootleg13.com. Follow them on at dosbootleg on Twitter, on Instagram. That's his preferred method of delivery because, obviously, you want to see the shirts, right? So follow him on all of those uh, social media platforms. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just tired now. It's been, it's been some busy days. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, next week's guest is, uh, you know, honestly, I forget. I can't remember. And so I'm not going to um, try to guess or uh, maybe figure out. Oh, wait. No, no, no. Oh, it's coming back to me now. Damien Abraham from the band Fucked Up. Because next week is a 200th episode. That's pretty incredible, right? 200 of these things. So next week, me and Damien talk a lot. <laughs> we had to do two separate recordings. Because, uh, well, I mean, he was getting interrupted, but then we were also just yammering on and on because, um, yeah, we're old friends and it's fun to catch up with people and uh, see what they're doing. So that is next week. And visit us, 100wordspodcast.com, and uh, follow us on all the social media properties. You know how to do this stuff. I mean, if I need to encourage you to do it, then you're clearly not paying attention or living in the year of 2016. So until next week, please be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.